Welcome to the Inspired Women Podcast. I'm your host, Megan Hall, psychology student, wife, and mama four. On this podcast, I share helpful life tips and stories from inspirational women. Warning, sometimes we chat about taboo topics and drop some F-bombs. Thank you for tuning in with me today. Enjoy the episode. Hey guys, today I'm here with Candice. Candice Birch is a hormone health educator and founder of Your Hormone Balance, a hormone testing and consulting practice that helps people of all ages detect and correct hormone imbalances that negatively impact health and longevity. Candice received her master's in health education in 1979. Oh my gosh, you don't even look old enough to have gotten your master's in 1979. <laughs> I'm just going to put that out there. Right. Uh, <laughs> and subsequently worked in, the, in medical publishing in the UK. And as director of education for ZRT Hormone Testing Labs for over a decade. Candice is the co-host of the WTF podcast, which stands for not what I would think it stands for, but it stands for Women Talking Frankly, and we will link that up in the show notes. Her mission is, or her mission as a wellness advocate is to educate, inspire, and guide women towards safe, natural approaches to hormone balance and breast cancer prevention. Thank you so much for being on the podcast tonight, Candice. Yeah, happy to be here. What state are you in, Megan? I'm in, I'm in Connecticut. Oh, because you're saying tonight. All right. I'm in Oregon. So we're three <laughs> hours apart. It's getting yeah, there, though. It's tonight for me. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I say that I always forget. Sometimes I talk to people like that are in the UK or Australia, and it's a completely different time oh, yeah. of the day. It's not even close. Uh, I'm pretty sure in Australia, it's morning time right now. So. Oh, definitely. <laughs> I just spent, I just spent several months in the UK because we're living there part of the year and oh God, trying to work out the time differences. That's always a challenge. Yeah. I love my, can be done. I love my scheduling tool because it allows people to pick like what time zone they are in. Yes. Yes, exactly. Fortunately, I have not had anybody who couldn't fit it in my schedule, but if anybody ever couldn't, I'd try to figure something out. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm not that big of a brat to be like, no, you have to do exactly as I say. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, but Candace, um, you're here to tell us about menopause. Uh, I'd love to have you share a little bit about your story, about your menopausal story. I mean, we've talked about menopause before <laughs> on, the, on the podcast, but I feel like we can't talk about it enough because we're women listening to this. I mean, maybe we might have some dudes, but we're women mainly listening to this and we're all going to deal with it at some point in time in our life. Yes. Unfortunately it is inevitable, but what isn't inevitable is that it'd be a bad menopause or that, you know, people dread the big M. It doesn't have to be that way. Um, My own story was just that I, um, I started having children late in life. I'm one of the, I'm a boomer with, you know, who wanted to travel and do what I wanted to do. And it wasn't until I was 37 that I had my first child and 41 when I had my second. So I had a six-year-old and a nine-year-old when I was around 48. And I started going into that first phase of menopause, which is perimenopause, which Mm -hmm. are those years, those eight to 10 years that culminate in menopause, but up until menopause, which is officially defined as, you know, age 51, no, it's around age 51, no more periods. Yeah. 12 sequential months without a period is the official definition. But until then, 
you can very easily be on a roller coaster of symptoms. And that was me. I was um, a journalist at the time writing on health issues and not following my own teachings, drinking too much coffee, staying up too late, pulling all-nighters because I had little kids and I could only get my work done in the middle, you know, at night. And I started being a real bitch on wheels. It was just scaring my kids. You know, they were, they, I was yelling all the time. I was having a hot flash every 20 minutes and a mood swing in between. And I just looked at my little one one day and she was, she had tears in her eyes and I could see that she was afraid of me because I was just being so unpredictable. So having been in the health education business for a long time, I, know, I knew this was a hormonal thing and that I had to get my hormones, had to get a grip. So that's when I really started focusing and pivoting from the world of health education and disease prevention to the world of hormone health education, like what's happening to me and what's happening to all those other women out there that are moving into the menopause zone. I think it's every five minutes a woman moves into that transition. Um, and so I've kind of focused on that for the last 20, 20 or so years. Yeah. I mean, I was told, I've, I've heard two different, you know, theories on this is, you know, some women dread it and like, this is awful, awful where other women are like, this is freedom because you don't have no yeah. longer have to worry about having a period every month. <laughs> yeah. You don't have to worry about any of those things. And it's a time in life where a lot of women, you know, aren't raising kids anymore and they have a little more freedom. Um, I know my, they say that it goes by your mom, like where when your mom started menopause, you'll start menopause as well, or menopausal symptoms. And my mom started menopausal sy symptoms in her late forties as well. So chances are, mm -hmm. I've only got about um, fifteen more years <laughs> before I will start in perimenopause. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I think the lesson that we all need to take away here is that you know, especially I, who see test results all the time women are going into perimenopause earlier and earlier. It really should start around our 40s, somewhere in the 40s, mid 40s, that we start to have these inevitable fluctuations of the master female hormones, progesterone and estrogen. That's what begins to happen because we don't ovulate every cycle. You know, our ovaries are kind of packing up during that perimenopause period, slowly, slowly waning. And so every cycle, you may have a period, but you may not have, you may not ovulate. When you don't ovulate, you don't make the proper complement of hormones. And you start to see, you know, women will start to see heavy, heavier periods, lighter periods, no periods. That's one of the first changes that happens, changes in bleeding, bleeding changes. And then, you know, PMS and, and can be really bad, um, becomes, you know, really being moody and some women have described it as Jekyll and Hyde. And a lot of those symptoms that are starting earlier in women, even in their late thirties, is just to do with this life we're living, this abundance of mm. stress in our society now. And you know, that sounds like, okay, yeah, yeah, get it, stress. But but there's all kinds of stress. You know, there's good stress and bad stress and it gets into, are we ever turning off? You know, this gets into adrenal stress hormones and at your hormone balance, we measure all of these hormones in our test kit, um, our saliva test kit. And we can really see what's going on with people if their stress hormones are high or if they're low and what's going on with the other hormones. And that gives us a, a clue to why are you having such a bad 
experience of perimenopause? Why are you really bouncing off the walls and describing yourself as a Jekyll and Hyde or crying all the time or having, you know, really painful periods or not being able to sleep or, you know, that's a huge thing, insomnia or waking early and, you know, not being able to go to sleep or waking up at night, not being able to get back to sleep. Um, you know, or anxiety. That's another thing that's looming large in the women I talk to. So getting a handle on, you know, what's caught, what's behind that and being aware early on so that you can kind of cruise into menopause and have a good one is, you know, and feel that liberation that you describe instead of what other women call, hey, I don't have mood swings. I just have the one emotion rage. Mm. <laughs> you know, there are those too. So it's, it's definitely a double-edged sword, but um, in my work, the idea is let's find out if you have a hormone imbalance and to what extent your hormones are out of whack, and then let's try to work with natural remedies to rebalance naturally and get you back to feeling like yourself so that you're not, you know, feeling, so many women say, I just don't feel like myself. Right. Have you ever seen the movie Sex in the City too? Uh which way if i did i was that the one with kim cattrall and somebody on the hood of a car you at some point kim cattrall <laughs> was going through menopause and sex in the city too and yeah. was trying to use all these natural remedies including sweet potatoes and so when you said natural remedies that's all i could think is she had all of her um not medication she had all of her supplements like taken away from her when they went overseas like oh i think i remember yeah yeah and then she was like eating a ton of sweet potatoes because she heard that would help her (laughs) well you know to 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 be serious here uh one of the best relievers of hormonal imbalance is progesterone natural bio-identical progesterone, meaning made from plant substances, made to uh, do, you know, mimic the hormones your own body makes. And those natural plant substances are often wild yam. So she was <laughs> eating, she was gathering wild yam. And in, in, in the show, Frankie and Grace with Jane Fonda and Lily Tomlin, she's trying to make a wild yam lube cream, <laughs> which is kind of funny. But the thing is, eating wild yams is not going to convert to the, the hormone progesterone. That's the substance from which it's derived. But, you know, close, but not close enough. <laughs> so what are some natural remedies um, that women might want to look into when they're going through menopause that might help? Well, you know, I mentioned progesterone, but I don't like, I don't suggest that to anyone until they've tested because I want to make sure, you know, we want to make sure that that actually is the issue that, you know, in general, we can say that as, as ovulation becomes more erratic and you know that when your periods start to change and your moods start to change, if you're getting hot flashes and night sweats, if you're gaining weight that, you, you know, so many women say, I never had a problem and now my stomach is huge or I've got these sugar cravings no ma- or no matter what I do, I can't lose weight. I'm eating the same. I'm working out the same. When all of these things start to happen, you know that and, and you're in your late 30s, 40s, you know that you're going into that, but to confirm and to see to what extent your hormones are out of balance, you do need to test. Um, and then progesterone is one of those top remedies that I, I do talk about if women are what we call estrogen dominant. And that 
is uh, an imbalance that's very, very common in women as they, you know, as they get into the perimenopausal years because of this lack of ovulation, what's happening is we're not making progesterone. So even, and that's the hormone that balances estrogen. And estrogen is a very potent growth hormone. You know, it grew all our female organs, our breasts, our curves, our ovaries, our uterus. <clears throat> it grows the egg in the cycle, the egg in the ovary, the first half of the cycle, and and it and it's thickening that blood-rich lining of the endometrium that we shed as a period. <clears throat> Sorry. So, so estrogen is a growth hormone, and that's fine as long as that growth is balanced by its balancing partner, progesterone, and that's why the menstrual cycle is all about estrogen the first half, then we ovulate. And progesterone is made the whole second half of the cycle. So if that's not happening, or if that is starting to become wonky, women start to become estrogen dominant, which shows up on a test result as it can show up as a normal estrogen level, it can show up as a high estrogen level, but it also shows up as a very low progesterone level or a, a low ratio between those two hormones. And then the women, we have them fill out symptoms and then you'll see a whole raft of symptoms like heavy periods, bloating, weight gain, uh, mood swings, PMS, tender, sore breasts is another hallmark sign um, and you know th things like that. So then we know that's estrogen dominance and progesterone becomes a, a very important cure for that because it's very calming, very balancing, it's available over the counter because it's so benign. Um, Sometimes it's compounded for women who have had a hysterectomy. They may need a compounded blend of progesterone with other hormones. But very simply, those women that are starting to have all these, you know, ups and downs and mood swings and roller coaster symptoms can often be helped with that. But it's also more than that. It's I notice you have orange glasses on. Yeah, it's blue light blocker glasses. Right. So that's a huge thing. A lot of women are on their computers late at night. Mm. They're not sleeping properly. And cortisol stress hormones are up at night. That disrupts our circadian rhythms and the sleep-wake cycle. It is a stressor on the adrenal glands, which by the way, have to pick up the slack in hormone production as women move into menopause. When the ovaries are done, it's all about the adrenals taking over. So we have to support those little glands because they are our stress hormones. They manage our energy levels. They manage our stress, our sleep-wake cycle, and our immunities against illness. So if we're burning the candle at both ends, if we're also, you know, so we're on our computer, we're messing with our, blocking our melatonin, we're not sleeping, we're over-exercising, a lot of women are doing that, like spinning, doing all high-intensity workouts five, six days a week. Many women are not eating enough protein or good fats because they may be vegans and some vegans don't, you know, they tend to go carbs, they, the go-to is carbs. Mm -hmm. So um, all of those things tend to make it make disrupt ovulation and add to the problem of this imbalance that that comes up. So when I suggest remedies, yeah, it's going to be some natural hormone. It's going to be uh, some B complex. A lot of people take just B twelve, but B one through twelve is really essential. 
especially B5 and B6. So it's best to take a good overall B complex. I may talk about Vitex, which is an herb called Chaseberry. Its Latin name is Vitex agnus castus. Very well known and helpful for, for 200 years, women have used this herb to restore irregular cycles. So if I talk to women that have really irregular cycles um, or they're coming up birth control and they, you know, or they, you know, a lot of older women in 40s, in their 40s are still on birth control. Yeah. They started taking it early on and they're afraid to stop because they're afraid they'll get adult acne or something. And so they're moving into menopause with these really low hormone levels because their ovaries have been shut down for years by this contraception. So it's really about taking a look at what's going on with your lifestyle. Are you skipping meals or are you eating, you know, are you getting fiber, fats, greens, and protein at every meal? Are you turning off your computer and your screens at night at least an hour or two before bed? Are you taking um, a break? You know, are you relaxing? I think people are forgetting how to relax because we're always on. Mm -hmm. And so many people will say to me, I can't believe my, my stress hormones are so low because when we test, we'll also, we, we test four times in one you have to collect your saliva four times in one day because we're not only measuring estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, and DHEA, but we're measuring the stress hormones morning, noon, evening, and bedtime. And they should be highest in the morning and lowest at bedtime. And a lot of women are just flatlined all the way across. Their levels are low in the morning, they're low all day long, and then they may be high at night. So you either have this tired all the time or tired and wired. You know, you get it, can't get out of bed, but then you want to run a marathon at 10 o'clock at night, or you're just tired all day long. And so when we see these different things in a test result, it's like, okay, so what's going on? You know, what, how do you relax? How do, what's your diet like? What are your stress levels like? And so, so I, I hate to say it's just one, it's not about just taking something. It's not all about just supplements, although they're really important, but it's about lifestyle changes changes as well. Yeah. And you mentioned sleep and I want to um, suggest something for everybody listening. There's a book called Sleep Spar Smarter by Sean Stevenson. And it's like the sleep Bible. It's amazing. He gives you all sorts of tips, including that's where I got, that's where I started uh, wearing blue light blocker glasses at night was because he says in there, you need to, like you said, at least, you know, an hour before bed, get off your devices. But you know, wearing blue light blocker glasses throughout the day or, you know, at night, if you're on a computer or whatever, to wear those because it will help block the blue light coming off of your do you, device. Do, you do you wear them just at night or during the day as well when you're it, on your computer? If I'm on my computer a lot, I will wear them during the day. But I, mm -hmm. um, my daily job does not involve being on a computer all day. So yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't wear them, but at night, I definitely do like when I do podcasts, which are usually at night, I definitely wear them at night. Um, you know, that's really smart in a way to wear them in part during the day. Um, just because you're, you know, I think that if you're on the screen, because you don't want to be blocking that blue light is going through the pineal gland of the brain and it's diminishing the production of melatonin. So yeah, if you're on your computer, let's say even in the afternoon for hours and hours, you would want to use them so that mm -hmm. that melatonin. 
Yeah. Um, and even on my phone, isn't, isn't blocked on my phone. I have the screen turned down. So it's a more of a yellow than the bright. I don't, I don't know. Um, I don't have my phone up here with me, but it's on the called I, a f- Oh, go ahead. I think it's called, there's a fl- program called flux. Is oh, it yeah, that, I have that, that does for, that? Not on my phone. I have that for my computer. Right, right. <laughs> it's F dot L U X. Um, but yes. my, my iPhone, um, I'm able to turn, um, it's called night mode or night shift or whatever. And it, mm-hmm. it makes it a more like, um, yellowish screen than the bright blue. Um, so I do right. that on my, I, I have the flux for my computers and then I have that for my iPhone. So I try to keep it. And the whole point was that was one of the tips on the sleep smarter book. So anybody listening who is like, I'm struggling with sleep, that's a great resource for people listening. Um, he talks everything from the blue light to caffeine to all sorts of kind of things that people don't even think of when there's, you know, I didn't think of before I, I read it where I was just like, huh, I didn't know that if I drank caffeine after like one o'clock in the afternoon, <laughs> that it'll disrupt my sleep. It can pattern. be that bad. Um, another significant thing you were talking about caffeine, I think for some people, like I can have a cup of tea, um, maybe up to two o'clock in the afternoon, you know, people are different, but one of the, one of the things that really, I don't think people are aware of always is that if you have something sweet at night, like snack, you're watching television and you eat something sweet, um, or you don't have enough protein later in the day or fiber, which slows the uh, absorption of sugar in the body, you can wake up at night because at some point your blood sugar is going to drop. And oh. that's a stress, that's a stress response. You know, so if you had, you know, some sort of dessert later at night or something, something that is more carb than it is protein or fiber, um, you're probably going to have a blood sugar drop. That's a stress response. Cortisol goes up and wakes you up and then it's messing with your melatonin again. And that's also another interesting connection between sleep and weight gain because people who don't sleep well, people who are called short sleepers who get less than like 6.5 hours of sleep a night, which is becoming all too common. Oh, I couldn't tend do to, it. Tend to have a me- <laughs> No, I mean, we need, a hundred years ago, people slept like nine, 10 hours. That was normal. But with the advent of the electric light, and now we've got, you know, we've got all this artificial light and all this computer light. We can't, our, our brains are all screwed up. But um, what was I saying? I was just talking about, oh, the, the link between appetite hormones, very interesting. Um, the appetite hormones, ghrelin and leptin. They sound like two little elves, but ghrelin is the hunger hormone. So it signals hunger. Um, Leptin is the hormone that tells us we are full. They actually operate on the sleep-wake cycle. So if we don't sleep um, through the night or if we get too little sleep, they start to become reversed and we get Mm -hmm. a lot of ghrelin, which is signaling hunger and very little of the leptin that's telling us we're full. So now we're going, you can kind of spot all that by looking at your hormone levels. It's pretty interesting. (laughs) Yeah, I do find that if I don't get enough sleep, I'm a lot hungrier the next day. Yeah. And, and then, and then the, you know, the vicious cycle is then we're hungry, we tend to overeat, Mm -hmm. and then we start to gain weight. And that's what a lot of women in menopause are struggling with. 
this weight gain that they never had to deal with before. And it starts in perimenopause with this fluctuating hormones thing. So um, yeah, it gets, it gets pretty complicated. I also talk to women that are amazed that, there's, that their stress hormone levels will be so low when they have a stressful job or they're always going, going, going. The adrenals get exhausted with too much mm. exercise and when we're overbooked and overcommitted. You know, some people, they'll tell me, oh yeah, I'll ask them about their stress levels, good or bad. You know, the adrenals don't know between divorce or donuts. It's, it's like, it can be any kind of stress. It's the same biological reaction. The right. adrenals are just trying to make energy for you in the day and help you take stress in stride and then get you to sleep at night. But people who have high performance careers and are going, going, going often have really low levels and very little energy. So that kind of, when you go into menopause in that state, that, that makes it a whole lot worse. I've heard of adrenal fatigue. Like, is yes. that what you're talking about? Where your adrenals are like all <laughs> tired. <laughs> They're tired and they just start to, you know, they, they will keep, the adrenals are these little glands that sit on top of the kidneys and they are, they have this huge job because they have to um, regulate blood sugar and insulin. That's, you know, the key to blood sugar boils down to glucose in the bloodstream, which feeds, it's our fuel, fuel for the body, fuel for the brain. And the adrenals regulate that. And if there's too much sugar, what do they do? They signal insulin to come out and try to control that. So it's this constant feedback loop, you know, we need a little more energy, let's pump up the cortisol, we now we want to go to sleep, let's bring it down. And there's a whole pattern uh, for that. But when we are constantly like whipping the adrenals with, as I was saying, too much exercise, not enough good protein or fats, because the adrenals do need those real nutrient dense foods to operate properly. Um, you know, they, and let's say we're, we're just over, you know, we're just overworking all the time, as, as many people are, you know, that attitude of, I got to, I'll sleep when I die kind of thing. Yeah. Um, the adrenals start to reflect that. And, and that doesn't, that also includes big stressors like accidents and injuries. I was talking to a woman recently who was taking care of her, her father who was dying. She was in a car accident and had a concussion you know, that's, there's all that going on too with people mm -hmm. at, at varying levels. And so the adrenal sometimes just can't keep up. And if we're, if we're just trying to take care of the situation by, by drinking more coffee or, you know, eating more or, you know, just trying to do more instead of realizing that it's time to, you know, to dial back and take care of ourselves, um, then it just, you know, it gets to be a really a difficult situation and and um it contributes to hormonal imbalances during menopause that make our symptoms far worse yeah you've mentioned a couple times about over exercising but we hear that exercise is good for us what would be a, a good amount or type of exercise we should do i you know especially when women are in menopause what would be a good kind of exercise for them to do well I think I mentioned before, in menopause, once the ovaries are done, uh, are, we have to rely for hormone production on the adrenal glands. And you know, we, we make hormone in fat cells, especially estrogen. We make very little progesterone. We still make some testosterone if we have lean muscle on board. 
Um, and so one of the best ways to, to stay balanced is to do some strength training for older women to keep their lean muscle at, at an optimal level. Because when we lose lean muscle, we start, that starts to be replaced by body fat. Mm -hmm. um, and, and lean muscle, when you work your muscle, it sends a signal to your brain to increase testosterone levels because testosterone builds bone and it builds muscle. It's also behind our competitive drive and our sex drive and our stamina, our strength, our endurance. Um, so doing some strength training, not to excess, but like two days a week. Many, you know, older women should probably start with two pound weights, work up to five and get with it somebody who can really show you. I've been doing the Jane Fonda fit and toned uh, home video, which is the perfect workout for women over 50. She leads you through it and it's a combination of weights and stretching. And that's really what women need to do. You need, and in fact, most people, what is best is to do a combination of high intensity and low intensity workouts. So, okay, do your cardio, do your spinning, do your, your step, your stepping or your, um, running all those things that are high cardio, but then the rest of the, you know, kind of every other day, switch it up with something like yoga or some kind of stretching or deep breathing or swimming or walking things that release tension that we hold in the muscles. If we're always doing high intensity, then we're holding tension in the muscles and that is jacking up our cortisol levels. And after a while, you want to talk about adrenal fatigue. The adrenals just say, we can't keep it up anymore. We can't meet the demand and they start to collapse. And that's when you, you go for your workout and now you're exhausted by the workout. You don't feel rejuvenated. You feel tired. Your muscles are sore. You're feeling like you're just killing yourself. And I've talked to a lot of women who are even fitness trainers and people who have to exercise for a living and they're worn out. Mm -hmm. And that gets scary if that's how you're making your living. Some women have their fitness classes, uh, they're teaching at night. So then they get home and they're wired and they can't sleep. So, you know, it gets, I think the best combination is high intensity, low intensities. You've got Pilates and yoga and all those great stretching exercises that people do. Just, you know, switch it up so that it's not one thing or another. And, and as far as weights go, I really like women to get with somebody that can show them how to use weights properly. And I do recommend that Jane Fonda video because I think she did it when she was over 70. Of course, she looks fantastic, but it's a real inspiration to, you know, to get strong because that's what, what older women need to do is stay strong. We need to keep our, our bones strong and our lean muscle strong. And in that sense, we need to have good levels of testosterone and DHDA, the two hormones that build bone and build muscle. And at the same time, we want to have balanced stress hormones that aren't you know, low in the morning and high at night. We want them to just be following the right, the right sort of pattern so that we wake up in the morning feeling rested. And, and so, you know, and, and so that we're kind of living at a, at a normal pace of life, not trying to speed up and keep up with our 20 year old daughters. <laughs> well, when I was a fitness coach, I definitely had those symptoms that you were talking about. Cause I was yeah. eating so little and working out mm -hmm. so hard that I was exhausted by the end of my workout. And I was like, something is not doing Something's well, got to give, right? Something's got to give. Something's not going right, and it took me significantly scaling back. I actually went 
um, I stopped doing all the very hardcore or high intensity workouts I was doing and just started doing yoga. And that was so good for me to rejuvenate um, and allow my body to bounce back because I wasn't stressing it out so much because yeah. I was doing like, I was doing like an hour plus of high intensity workouts seven days a week. <laughs> and you know, I hear, I hear this all the time and you know, the irony here is that what you're doing is you are jacking up your cortisol levels and that the body perceives as stress. So the body doesn't know, like I said, it doesn't know if you're over-exercising or if you're running from the Taliban. I mean, it's like, what, what are we doing here? We're under stress. So the adrenals are, they kick into survival mode and they start hanging on to the fat you're trying to lose. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the response. It's like, okay, we need to pile a little fat away for the rainy day. She's got a, you know, she may have to escape from some kind of a threat. So the, and the, and the uh, happy place for that appears to be the, the abdominal area. So stress fat, um, fat that's, you know, related to toxic stress, constant, unrelenting kind of go, go, go stress is going to settle in the belly. So if you're, if you're gaining weight in that area and then you're going to the gym and trying to work it off like a crazy person, um, <laughs> then you're going to find it's not budging and it may even be getting worse. So, you know, that's where you got to lay back a little bit and dial back and get yourself a nice balance. What did you do eventually? If you were, you said you were a fitness teacher. Uh, yeah, I was a fitness coach. I stopped being a fitness coach. It was a very toxic environment of starve yourself and work out a lot. So <laughs> I stopped doing that. Um, then I was a life coach and now I'm going to school for psychology. All right. So yeah, now I, I want to help mold the minds of future mental health professionals. That's my goal. Well, I always think, I always hope that mental health professionals will test people's hormones mm -hmm. because so much of the time people are, you know, they're feeling bad about their moods. They're feeling right. bad that they, especially women in menopause, because they're running low on the calming hormones, progesterone and, and estrogen. By the way, progesterone is great for sleeping. It's, you rub it in at bedtime, uh, two weeks of the month, if you're not having cycles anymore, two weeks on, two weeks off, it's so, it's natural properties are to calm you and help you sleep. Um, but, you know, those, those women are getting to that place where they're just feeling kind of frantic. Mm. Um, and they're doing all these things that, you know, sort of overdoing it instead of saying, okay, now is the time to slow down and get into a better balance of, you know, of course, women should exercise, but but um, it's in concert with everything else. I often say to people, make a list of the 10 things you love to do most in all the world that bring you joy and relax you. That is a very easy list to make. But then when you go back through that list and check off next to each entry, when is the last time I did that? Yeah. You know, that can be a real wake up call. Yeah. And oh, I think ahead. it's, it's, I think it's pretty important for people to take stock of that and, and to realize now's the time in menopause when your adrenals have, they need extra TLC. So that means, you know, rest and relaxation, take a long weekend, do the self-care thing. Women are notorious for not taking care of themselves. They're always taking care of everybody else. You know, I, for ages, I never even had a pedicure or I, my daughters took me for Mother's Day like five years ago. I had my first pedicure. 
I just wouldn't take the time to get a massage or, you know, have a soak in the tub, uh, you know, a nice magnesium salt soak. Uh, there's just so many things that we don't do for ourselves and now's the time to do it. So that's why menopause can be very liberating. And, um, you know, you, you plug in some of those things that you need to top up with because your body doesn't make it anymore and you can be feeling a whole lot better than you've been feeling for a long time. I mean, I really think women become their symptoms and they just think, oh, I'm just, you know, I'm just really out of sorts and I'm just always irritable and I can't stand myself, but what do I do? You know, what are you going to do? I can't sleep. I can't, you know, I can't do anything but overeat. And all of that is, that's, we don't have to go there. We can feel much, much better. But I think some women have forgotten how good they used to feel. Yeah. Yeah. And it's important. You, you, you shared with a us a lot of things that we can do even now even those of us who aren't um entering menopause yet due to take care of ourselves when we enter menopause that we are on a in a good place you know you you Mm -hmm. talked about sleeping well and you talked about um not over exercising and eating well and self-care and all the things that we can all do um but also you you talked about getting your hormones tested if People are having those symptoms, and and you even mentioned symptoms that could be having could be happening before you go into menopause. The, the bloating and the painful periods and all those things can be oh, yeah. going on right now, and could be hormonal as well. Well, you know, I see in a lot of women that are younger who've been on birth control for a long time, and I don't mean to say I'm down on birth control, but I do encourage women who've been on birth control for over a decade who are having, because I see in test results, they've got hormones that are as low or as out of whack as a woman in menopause. Mm. So you're talking about menopause, we could be talking about a much younger person who has had her ovaries shut down for so long that she's actually having hot flashes and night sweats. She's actually got vaginal dryness. She's actually got no libido. So yeah, it's an interesting conversation, menopause, because younger women can have symptoms of menopause just based on their, on their hormone levels. So I do talk to women who are suffering that way and who've taken the time to test because they want to know why they feel so lousy when they're only 28 years old or 32. And um, you know, generally the testing can reveal things. And I've, I've talked to so many women who are really kind of interested in, you know, I know I need to take a break but I'm afraid to because I had acne or I had heavy periods. And I, I just, it, it's interesting, over 50% of women on contraception aren't using it for contraceptive purposes. Right. They're using it for other reasons that they were put on when they were 15. So um, that's a significant issue that I see all the time. But I think testing is good because you can see the extent to which your hormones are out of balance and we match up the symptoms that you're experiencing. So women feel this great relief. It's like, ah, so that's why I feel like this. Right. Now there's the reason it's not just that, you know, that I'm going to be this way for the rest of my life. Yeah. I mean, I honestly think that the rise in, in birth control, which I'm not against as well. I mean, it definitely has its place. I mean, it has its I, place. I've used it myself um, before Me too. I had my tubal ligation done. Um, but I think that's the, the reason we have such a rise of infertility in the, is because women's bodies are shut down from doing its, what it's naturally meant to do 
for so long. I mean, women are on it for like 10, 20 years. They are. I yeah. to conceive. Um, and like you're saying, their, their bodies are out of whack. So now it's going to take time to, to get back to what is quote unquote normal. And this is where, you know, women that want to, uh, let's say women who've just gotten married, they've been on the pill forever, but now they want to come off because maybe they want to get pregnant. It can take them a good year to get their period back and get their cycles back. And they often get panicked, but you know, that's where Chase Berry Vitex comes in and progesterone. Progesterone is the pregnancy hormone. You actually need enough progesterone to take a pregnancy to term. There are all kinds of things younger women can do to replenish and not use hormones forever because they're young and their bodies should provide that, but they've got to wake their ovaries back up from this. And there's a great book. You mentioned a book before, so I'd love to to put in a, yeah, absolutely. Uh, a mention of a book by Dr. Jolene Brighton called Beyond the Pill. And it is a very helpful recent book that is helping women wean off the pill and do a 30-day detox to get their periods back and their cycles back ship shape. And then there are, you know, there are so many alternatives now. There are not so many non-hormonal alternatives. I mean, we have the copper IUD which some women are doing fine with and others say it makes their periods too heavy, but a lot of women get through that first hard month. There are other, you know, there's the sponge, there's the diaphragm. There's also a lot of family planning apps now. Natural Cycles is one that comes to mind. And uh, another great book is uh, Woman Code by Alyssa Vitti. She has um, a flow tracker that is very useful for women who want to start tracking their cycles so they know when they're fertile and can abstain. And that's really the easiest and most natural way to prevent a pregnancy if that's the issue. Right. So there are lots of, I think there are a lot of options for women who, who don't, you know, who are really looking for more natural ways and who are emphasizing and prioritizing life balance. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So many things for people to look into um, and so many good tips that you've given women. And also I'm going to have all of your things linked up in the show notes so they can connect with you if they want to learn more. Um, but as we wrap up the podcast today, what is something that you would like to leave the inspired women audience with? Um, I wanted, well, I would love to inspire them to, to test their hormones. And, and in so doing, I would say, um, if you use the code, what could, could we make the code inspired woman? Yeah. Um, we could give, if you use the code inspired woman, we'll give you, we'd love to provide a hundred dollar discount on a test kit because I think testing your hormones is, you know, the first step to taking charge, taking back control of your reproductive life and and that you know be inspired by the fact that you can do that you just need information you need to know that it's not your fault you're not alone a lot of women feel like am i the only person going through this or is everyone you're not alone there's information that can help you it's just a matter of becoming aware and and then making some changes that really will benefit your health overall so that you get your mojo back and your energy back and you sleep well and you've got your mind is working, you can think straight. How many people talk about brain fog and right. you know this fatigue? It's just there's a host of symptoms that do not need to become you. 
you are not your symptoms. You are, you are you, and you can find your way back to that, but it just takes a little bit of, little bit of doing. And, um, you know, I, I talk to people, once you get your test results back, uh, we talk on the phone and we go through the test results together and people feel listened to, they feel relief that there's a reason for the way they're feeling. And then we provide this action plan that gives you a real, a game plan for going forward. Cause that's the big question. What do I do next? So right. there's much you can do. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being on the podcast today, Candace. You're welcome. I hope that there was, I know it's a lot of information, but you know, it's something for everybody to take away. Thank you for being a part of the Inspired Women audience. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a rating review. And don't forget to share this out with somebody who could use some inspiration today. Tag us at Inspired Women Podcast, both on Facebook and Instagram. Have a great day.